This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. He is Justin Khan. Justin Khan is the co-founder of Twitch, the world's biggest live streaming platform. He's been a serial entrepreneur and technology investor at Y Combinator and his new fund, Goat Capital. Justin is also the host of The Quest, a podcast that brings the world stories of the people who struggle to find their own purpose, made it in the outside world, and then found deeper meaning beyond success. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We're super excited to have you on. Justin, let's hear about your story. What was your upbringing like? What was my Asian upbringing like? Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, it was good. My parents were, were, um, you know, very supportive of me and they, they were, uh, you know, my dad was born here in the U S he's pretty Americanized. Uh, you know, he's, he's full on American, didn't speak Chinese. My mom was an immigrant. She came from, here from Malaysia. She's ethnically Chinese, but came here from Malaysia when she was um, 17 years old, immigrated to Seattle. And so, uh, you know, they've really valued education, which was probably not surprising. You know, sent me to uh, private school and, and really made sure that I studied hard. And uh, my mom was like, at one point I, I was was failing math, I think in the fourth grade or something. She was just like her second grade and she was like, this is not going to happen to my kid. Right. So she, <laughs> she would write these problems out like math problems in colored, different colors, like colored pencils or whatever, and call them color problems. And that was like her bait to get me to do extra homework. And so that was, you know, I was kind of the early days and my, from my parent, you know, my mom, especially I learned value of hard work and, mm-hmm. um, a number of other things that probably helped me later on. She was very much like she had this very team mentality. So my, I have two younger brothers and my brothers and I would get this list of chores to do. She'd be like, okay, you have to do everything on this list. Otherwise no one gets to play Nintendo, right? Like everyone, it was like a group task list, right? It didn't, wasn't divided by, you know, person. And so that kind of gave us like, we hated it at the time, but really got this like team vibe on like how to execute something, you know? And so, um, that was kind of, kind of it for the early days. My, my mom had a, had a scarcity mindset, uh, which I think a lot of Asian immigrants do or immigrants in general. And so, you know, even though we were, we weren't bad off at all, like, you know, she was able to send me and my brothers to private school and we had a pretty decent house and, you know, she always felt like there, there was a sense of like, there's, there wasn't enough. And so, you know, I think in the, from the early days, that really gave me a drive to go out and, and make money and make more and be successful. And, um, when I was younger, I also, you know, I was kind of an outsider. I wasn't a popular kid. I, I felt like an outsider uh, among my peers. And I think that really drove me later on as well to, to try to be successful as like a way of proving something about myself, you know, like, Oh, I can, if I'm just, if I become successful, if I become an entrepreneur and make it, 
then I'll finally get the approval I always wanted. You know, I didn't know it as that at the time, but I, I think I had this deep drive to succeed because of it. Wow, that's, that's so powerful. And I feel the same way too. I, was, I personally have always been the odd kid. I stand out a lot. I say the wrong things all the time. <laughs> but for me, the driving force behind entrepreneurship is to fit in as well. And, you know, the reason behind Asian Hustle Network is more of a internal reason. It's because I felt so lonely. I felt like I couldn't relate to anyone. So I want to build a community where if anyone else feels the same way I do, I, want, I don't want them to be alone. You know, that's the no. behind Asian Hustle Network. And kind of curious too, you know, you mentioned the scarcity mindset. What was your parents' thoughts at, when you were age 22, 23, starting Justin TV instead of getting a conventional job? What were, what were their thought process like when they're like, Justin, you're not going to get a job with me, entrepreneur? What's going on here? Yeah, my mom was an entrepreneur, so she was actually quite supportive. Uh, you know, it wasn't, I think she, she cared a lot about my education. I, I you know, I went to, to Yale. And after that, though, she was very supportive of uh, me becoming an entrepreneur to her credit. And so, you know, I think she was she wasn't like a traditional tiger mom in that she was saying, oh, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. She was much more like whatever you do, you should try to do it your best and had a very high standard for you know your work ethic. And then when I said I want to be an entrepreneur, actually it wasn't for Justin TV, which is a company that eventually turned into Twitch. At first, it was another company that we started right out of college called Kiko, which is a web calendar. And so we decided, okay, well, like uh, we're going to start this company and, stuff, and we're going to return the bonus checks we got from these jobs that we're, we're going to go to after college. And, and my friend Emmett and I were going to start this company. And she was supportive of it. Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, it was good to have that. Love that. So while you were, you know, starting Justin TV, you live streamed every part of your life. How did you know how to set boundaries between what you wanted to live stream in terms of like your personal life and what you wanted to make public? Well, the, the idea for Justin TV was back in 2007 before there was an iPhone or Periscope or I guess I shut down Periscope now, but like Instagram live or anything like that. It was really before people were using data on their cell phones very much. So, uh, we had to figure out all this technology to build this platform to let us stream from the mobile, like a mobile, what was effectively like our own mobile device that we made to the internet and then out to people on their computers uh, to watch it. And, um, you know, when, when we, we thought of it entirely almost as a technology problem, cause we were engineers sort of like, Oh, how do we build this thing? But we never thought about like, how, what's the show going to be <laughs> like, what, what is, how, how are we going to make an interesting show out of my life? Number one, or like, what are the social implications of having this stream on all the time? You know, it's kind of an experiment and we really only thought about the technology part of it. So when we launched the show, so I think March 17th of 2007, um, we launched it and then, you know, it kind of went crazy on the internet cause it was this weird, crazy, thing that nobody expected or heard of before this guy streaming his life to the internet 24 seven. It wasn't actually 24 seven because the site went down all the time, you know, kind of like the early days of Twitter or something, but you know, we tried to do 24 seven. So, you know, the impact on my life was just, I mean, it was like chaos, you know, we were trying to do run around, do stuff all the time, like interesting stuff, whatever it would be like going and meeting people or talking to other startups or seeing whatever like event was in town, like going to whatever like event was going on or like any event, basically just to, to try to generate content. And people were, um, you know, but it was exhausting. It was exhausting. And then like it started to get, you know, I started getting 
pranked like all the time, <laughs> you know, like, like various forums of like people who had nothing better to do. So they'd like call the cops or wherever I was at, or like order pizza, like wow. pizzas to like wherever I was. And it was just like, uh, I mean, it was kind of hilarious in retrospect, but at the time it was, it was quite stressful. And so I mean, we really didn't think about any of the implications of like how it would work or like setting boundaries. Um, because the idea of it was this gimmick of like, okay, let's just go out and try it 24 seven, you know? Yeah. Wait, tell us a story about that outfit, what it looked like. You know, we saw your TikTok, uh, I think you posted like yesterday or two days ago about oh, yeah. your early days, your homo days. Tell us about that story. How'd you look and, and yeah, so, so it was this hat cam, you know, basically it was this 24 seven live stream and was wearing this camera and it was like a mounted to a like baseball cap on the side. There was this camera that was a, um, it was an analog camera, actually kind of like a, like one of those early GoPro cameras. Um, and, uh, then it was attached to a backpack that had like this, what was effectively like a computer with all these cell phone data modems in it and a huge ass battery, like 20 pounds of batteries. Um, cause they had not really made lithium ion battery technology to the level it is today, you know, with mobile devices. And so I was just carrying around this backpack all the time. And I was you know, broadcasting from this hat camera. It's pretty obvious what I, you know, that there was this camera thing attached to my head. And, and so you know, people would notice it. It was, it wasn't the coolest look, but you know, that's uh, it is what it is. It was, it was kind of hilarious. I love that. I love, I love how committed you are to that idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a stunt for sure. It was not the most, um, it was not the most like at the end of the day, the content we were creating was not super interesting, but there was something there that was a precursor to everything that happened on social media. You know, I, I really did feel like if you, uh, gave people access into some watching someone's life, they would be interested. You know, people are fundamentally interested in other people for the most part. And so, uh, you know, I think that's really developed with social media stars and influencers and, and people really wanting to see you know, the real authentic side of, of the people they looked up, they look up to. Yeah. yeah. And on that topic, you know, personal branding is so big today. Like everyone is trying to kind of increase their personal brand at that time when you were starting Justin TV, how big was personal branding and what did you kind of learn from it? Because nowadays when people post YouTube videos of their personal brand, they just post highlights, but you were posting like every bit of your life. Yeah, well, the highlights are a better way to go from a branding perspective, but also from a making it entertaining, right? Like stories, Instagram stories and Snapchat stories is a good example of, you know, kind of pieces of someone's real life, but they're mostly just posting the highlights. They're posting, you know, 30 seconds or a minute of every day, not uh, not 24-7, right? Not 24 hours of a day. And the problem is like most of the time in, in the day for most people, in fact, for everyone, including people who are celebrities that seem like they're leading glamorous lives, most of their day is boring. You know, they're on their yeah. phone, they're on email, they're just you know, sleeping <laughs> or whatever, you know, so it's not, it's much, the highlights are much better and a much better way to go. And we didn't really figure that out from a product perspective. Um, but I think there was something there, some core insight there that some, everybody has some things that are interesting every day that they can, they can zero in on. Yeah, that's awesome. What I, what I noticed about you as well is that you're you're such a strong early adopter of all the social media platforms. You know, we're watching your interviews when when uh, Snapchat came out, and you're like, hold on, I want to I want to stream this real quick. And we see you a lot in Clubhouse right now too. So, what are your 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 um, thoughts on being an early adopter for these type of social media platforms, and how can that benefit someone's personal brand? You, you know, what's interesting is that I don't I don't actually think I'm an early adopter mm -hmm. because so um, didn't really use Instagram, probably still don't 
Twitter. I, I remember I signed up in 2007, early 2007. And I was one of the top thousand accounts with Justin TV before we, um, you know, before when we launched Justin TV, like it, this was, it was just in San Francisco, just like, you know, tech people. And then I didn't really use it until 2009 for myself, you know? So it was like two years where Twitter was growing, but I like didn't use it at, at all. And then with Snapchat, like I had signed up, you know, 2013 or whatever and saw stories and like didn't get it. And then it was only, I think in 2015 or late 2015 that I heard about DJ Khaled getting lost on his jet ski or whatever. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. I want to see what's going on. And so that's when I started creating startup content on Snapchat. And then, um, you know, clubhouse is another good example. I had signed up for clubhouse in April. I think like I was probably one of the first, you know, thousand users and I didn't get it. And then only finally this last week when it's like, you know, like blowing up that have I been or two weeks ago, I started using it again. Uh, and TikTok, another great example. I mean, there's what billion people on TikTok now are like hundreds of millions or whatever. So, you know, now I'm starting to use TikTok. I don't, I don't think I'm an early adopter, but what I do think I have is that I'm pretty creative and I love like experimenting with these platforms once they're, once I kind of get it, which usually takes a lot, a couple of years or it's like too long, it takes too long. And I love experimenting and creating like authentic content. You know, I think I do create like content that people c connect with because it's very, you know, it's, it, that's, that's pretty authentic. And, um, cause I don't really need to be, you know, I'm like, not, I know I'm like not good enough looking or like polished enough to like do something that's like more of an influencer style where they're like making great Instagram videos or whatever. I'm like just some fucking guy. And so I love to make content that's just like, just some guy doing whatever I'm doing, you know, and being as authentic as possible about it. And I think there's something to that. That's, I guess, one tip for people out there. I think people really resonate with authenticity. And then the second thing I'll say is I think it's like never too late. Right. I think, you know, with Twitter, for example, I really started being more popular on Twitter in two, 2018, you know, when I started and that was really late. Right. Like I'm, I'm just, I was like, you know, I, I think I had like 20,000 followers into 2018 and then it, you know, maybe I've got like 110,000 now or something like that. So it's still not, I mean, we're, we're not talking a lot, but it's very targeted among a certain type of people like startups and people who are like entrepreneurs, stuff like that. And I think people, you know, so I, it wasn't too late. It's just like really about the content that I was creating about startups and wellness and things that resonate with the specific community. And I think, you know, that that's like, if you look at like people who blow up on Instagram, they, a lot of them were like 2016, 2017, like well after the platform was like very broadly adopted. Mm -hmm. And so I think that pe people often think, or I've often thought myself, Oh, like, I'm, I've missed the boat, you know, but I, I actually think the case is like, since so much, they, they, all these networks are growing so much and people's usage of them is growing so much that they, you know, you're never, you're never too late yeah. to, you know, as long as you have the right kind of angle of content that resonates with people. Yeah. yeah. I really like the mentality a lot too. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's really strong. And I, I do want to point out one more thing. So Justin's actually really handsome, by the way, he's been humble. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate that i appreciate that it's true it's true and i really like yeah i also really like that mentality because you do have people who think like oh i have to be an early adopter but if you it, it is not too late if you joined late because you have all the fundamentals down already you have everyone who like test it out and try to see like what is popular on the social media platform and what works and then you you already have all the you know basics down and so that's a really good mentality um, so when you switched from Justin TV to Twitch, what was that transition like? And, you know, what, what was Yeah. That? So, so with Justin TV, 
you know, we were, we we're a platform for anything, to, anyone to broadcast live video. We, we had pivoted from, you know, I was doing my own show and then my show sucked. So we were like, okay, let's make a platform for anyone to broadcast. And so we did that and did that in 2007. And then for the next four years, we built Justin TV and it became a pretty big site, like probably a top 250 site in the, in the world. And people were streaming all sorts of live content. It was kind of like, um, you know, like the type of content that was on a you now or Instagram live, or it's just people, whatever, like people would be chatting with each other or people would be streaming um, themselves playing video games or people would be uh, streaming, um, you know, like sports event or, or something like that. And, so people were kind of streaming whatever they wanted. And then we, um, we basically stopped growing. And so we were like, what do we do? You know, we're a pretty small company. It was about 25 people at the time had no idea what we should do. And at that point, uh, decided, Hey, let's like, we need to figure out something to pivot to. And so we had two ideas and with the four founders of the company, myself, Michael Seibel, who's now the CEO of Y Combinator, Emmett Shear, who's the CEO of Twitch and my friend, um, our other friend, Kyle Vote who is uh, the CTO and co-founder of Cruise, self-driving car startup. Um, we were at the time just all, you know, probably in our mid, mid to late twenties and trying to figure out, okay, what do we pivot to? And we, we like, so we're sitting in this room and could only come up with, we came up with two ideas. You know, one was Emmett decided he was like, I love the gaming streaming. We should just go all in on gaming. This was very counterintuitive. Gaming was not thought of as like a big content category at the time. This is 2011. And then actually 2010, probably like the end of 2010. And my, uh, our other, Michael really was like, Hey, mobile is going to be a huge thing. We should go all in on mobile video. And so, I mean, there were some right ideas in there, but we couldn't agree on what to do. So we decided we'd, we'd try both. We'll work on both things in the same company. Uh, and we'll see what one works after six months. And so, um, it was a horrible way to like do this pivot, but we, we decided to do it. And it turns out like the gaming thing kind of grew and grew and grew against the, the benchmarks that we set. So Emmett and um, our COO at the time, Kevin Lynn, who's a friend of ours from college, started working on this gaming site, part of Justin TV, like the gaming section. And uh, they would go out to people in the nascent gaming video community. I mean, there were a lot on YouTube, but um, there wasn't as much on live streaming and try to get people to create live content and ask them like, what do they want? You know, and, and so, you know, people, a lot of these content creators, they were streaming the professional gamers or they were, you know, prof very entertaining gamers uh, who just love streaming and they wanted to stream, uh, but they want to do more of it and they want to get paid. So we decided we'd build a partner program so they could get paid from it. And then they wanted to figure out how to get more viewers. So we, we would figure out ways to, to help them get more viewers. And um, that's basically what we did was just talk to them and iterate. And eventually, you know, that turned into Twitch. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was it was, I mean, a pretty amazing story, but Emmett and Kevin really deserve all the credit because they were the ones really working on it primarily in, internally. And then eventually we pivoted more and more of the company's resources to, uh, to, to them, you know? Mm -hmm. awesome. That's, that's an awesome story. And, you know, congratulations on being acquired by Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I want to focus the, the shift post Twitch, you know, I feel like, Post Twitch, you put, were posting more content on Medium. We're reading your, a lot of your articles. It seems like you went to different phases of your life in different years, you know? Yeah. At that point, it was like experimental, start, start small, think big. And then I felt like you went to a period where you were exploring your own potential. Like, what else can I do out there, you know? What other companies can I start? And I feel like the last year, 
was more focused on self-improvement, like 2019, 2020, where it's like, I felt like you were deep in reflection a lot. Yeah. I went to Startup Grind. That's where, that's where I saw you for the first time. You know, I, I got to the event early. I sat in the front stage. I was literally like 10 feet away from you, but I'm pretty sure you didn't see me at all. I was like, <laughs> but I was listening to you. I, I, I noticed your progression throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, what, what was that? Why did, I mean, what was that reflection point like? Like when you were starting your, your self-improvement part, was it because you're feeling a lot of stress in your companies where you're like, how I feel inside is often how I reflect outside? What was that point where you're like, okay, why self-improvement is so important? But what is the theme for 2021? I'm kind of curious for that as well. Yeah, so uh, that's a good observation. You know, I have been through these different phases and, and um in my life, you know, and in the early days of the startup, I just really wanted to make it and then kind of making it in 2014 and we, and selling it. Then I was, you know, doing some content creation on writing mediums, like you said, and writing posts, like longer form content and, but really still in the like startup world. And then, uh, you know, played around on Snapchat and had a lot of fun with that. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to start another company really like still needing to prove myself in the world, you know, like the billion dollar company wasn't enough. I was like, Oh, I, I want to make more. I want to build a bigger company. Cause I had friends who built, you know, $10 billion companies or whatever. And so, um, had a fairly, I would say unhealthy obsession with, with that. And then eventually started another company and that company was incredibly stressful. And so at that point, you know, a couple of years ago really started to realize, Oh, you know, it's not my external circumstances are driving a lot of how I feel every day. And that is weird because kind of objectively, like things are like pretty good for me. And so how do I stabilize what's going on? You know, how do I feel good every day, regardless of what's happening in the outside world? And that's when I started really becoming interested in the self-improvement train. And so that was investing in a lot of different things that were, um, you know, ways to kind of grow personally. And I, I'd never been into personal improvement before, at least not like in that explicit way, I'd always been curious and, and loved learning, but I didn't think, Oh, people could improve at, you know, whatever, whatever it was that they, they, um, you know, I, th I thought people were kind of baked when they were 18, right. They would just be the way that they were since they were a kid. And then or since they were like kind of a young adult, that's like how, what they were going to be like for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I never thought oh, I can actually improve who I am. And then, uh, I had a number of experiences that like kind of broke me open and, and was like, maybe you see like, Oh, I actually have a choice on how I want to show up in the world. And so, uh, you know, first was like really drinking ayahuasca for the first time sitting in an ayahuasca ceremony and, and experiencing that the idea that I had always done everything for the approval of the outside world. And that if I, I didn't have to make that choice anymore. And so, uh, for me that led to, okay, I'm going to start a meditation habit, you know, doing that. It led to, um, exercising very regularly, like do trying to exercise every day. It led to investing in like a gratitude practice, gratitude journal. Um, I quit drinking alcohol. Uh, and so there was just a number of things that helped me, uh, kind of improve. And I realized through a couple books that I read, including James Clear's book, atomic habits that, um, you know, improvement wasn't really about getting to some goal. It was about creating a framework by which I would like make small incremental steps every day, incremental reinforcement steps every day. Right. So, you know, every day sit in meditation, even if I just do it for two minutes, right. Every day I want to exercise, even if I just exercise for five minutes. And so um, that really helped me get on the path of self-improvement. 
you know? And so the last couple of years I've been really dedicated to that. And this year I would say, you know, maybe in the last couple of months I've come to realize like, Oh, you know, I want to, I want to focus on doing the things that are my, you know, bring my joy to the world. Like I express my, my inner joy. And so a lot of that is around, I love investing because it's a way to learn about new topics and new ideas. I love mentoring people. Investing helps me support that, you know, so with my new fund, Go Capital, that's, that's like a kind of investing helps me fulfill and activate some of these, these things that bring me joy. And then I love con- creating content, you know, which is why I have this new podcast about the journey I've been on and other people's journeys. And I'm watching a YouTube channel, you know, it's never too late, 20, you know, 15 years or whatever after YouTube um, started or 16 years, but you know, it's never, never too late. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just having fun with, with it and trying to do the things that activate my joy. Yeah. I I love that a lot. Yeah. That's amazing. I love how you talk about gratitude a lot and we know that you believe in showing gratitude as a way of achieving happiness. Can you talk about your gratitude journal and you know what you kind of put in it? I guess before we get there, I'm kind of curious too, because I think we read through your medium articles and there's an article we wrote, like, I think like it's like 13 minutes of read or something. And the bottom part, you're saying that, you used to be so against therapy, you know, and you're like, I don't want any of that. So what changed in terms of like, Hey, maybe this is a great option for me because it's so relatable to the Asian culture. You know, there's a huge stigma against mental health. And even nowadays running Asian hustle network has been extremely stressful on my side where I talked to my parents, like, Hey, I might need therapy. And mom's like, you're not crazy. What are you, what are you trying to do? You know, I just want to hear from your point of view. Cause I know like, where we are and how you used to be with therapy is very similar similar to how I feel right now about therapy. And I just want to highlight that real quick. Yeah. Well, you know, what's, what's ironic is my mom is a, uh, she had multiple careers. She was a programmer and then she was a real estate agent, mortgage broker and real estate investor. And then now she actually is a marriage and family therapist. And my mom was super into therapy and always encouraged me to go. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to, you know, cause I was, kind of had, I had a lot of conflict with my mom, you know, when I was growing up. And then when I was a young adult, because I always felt like, even though she was different from a traditional tiger mom, she was a very, um, micromanaging, you know, kind of personality. And so, uh, ironically, she was the one who was telling me I should go to therapy. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to, I, you know, I don't need that. And it was really like most of these things, you know, adopting meditation or therapy, they came from breaking points where I was like very stressed out and looking for some salvation. And so in one of the companies I had early on, you know, maybe uh, seven or eight years ago, I, I reached this point where I was very, very stressed and I didn't know how to cope. And so out of desperation, I went, you know, I realized that I was uh, burned out. And so I went to start seeing a therapist then. And, and that was very helpful to me to, to kind of learn some tools to deal with my circumstances, you know, my present moment circumstances. Well, that's powerful. I mean, I'm glad you did that. You know, I think my form of therapy right now is like, I need more sleep, <laughs> you know, yeah. feeling too stressed. My body's just like, okay, just, just sleep it off and t- take it day by day. Um, but yeah, so that's, so that's, you know, I rec- I've, I, I've recognized that because I mean, that can be form sleep or anything. I used to, you know, I used to have all these coping mechanisms to deal with my stress, right? Mm-hmm. Something wasn't going on well in the outside world and my company, I would, um, watch a season of Netflix or I'd go to sleep or I would get drunk. You know, I, I drank a lot. And so those were all forms of, those were all ways to like cope with my situation, right? Like in a way to like, but they were all forms of escapism, right? They were forms of, of, of saying, Oh, instead of being present with whatever you're experiencing, 
like you, maybe you feel guilt about the way things went or what you promised your investors and you're not delivering, or maybe you feel anxiety about what's going to happen in the future, or maybe you feel anger because, you know, a supplier just, you know, fired you or like a, you know, vendor just, or a customer just fired you or whatever, you know, it's instead of being able to sit with that and those emotions, you, you oftentimes were looking for escapes, right? That was who I was anyways. Mm -hmm. And what helped really helped me was figuring out ways to just be present with that experience of whatever it was. You know, if I feel guilt being able to say, Oh, I feel guilty and identify that and sit with that. And by doing that, let it pass, right? Like take the signal of, of whatever the experience is, which oftentimes those emotions are, are those emotions are usually signals of, so, you know, you, you're, you're, you're not feeling like things are going the right way and you need to make a change, which is a valid, <clears throat> a valid signal. But oftentimes we get, they, we turn them into ruminations and moods because we just continually fixate on them because we don't let them, we not we're not able to sit with them and let them clear. So instead we like push it down by, you know, go be like, Oh, that was a horrible day. And I dealt with all these things. So I'm going to go get faded. And then you do that. And then the next morning, like you still have those problems and you're still have anxiety and you, you know, maybe it's even amplified because of the alcohol. And then what are you going to do? So for me, a lot of these tools were about helping me sit with those emotional states and then let them pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's extremely relatable to a lot of us too. More than you ever imagined, Justin, like we had those moments where at the time we didn't know each other yet, or I knew of you, we didn't know us. <laughs> just, just reading through your, your journals and, and whatnot. And I've been following you for years now. Like, honestly, you you were one of my heroes that I Thanks, man. never thought I could talk to you right now. It's kind of amusing. <laughs> and it's really amazing. So whatever you wrote, whatever you went through, like I, I could feel your emotions, you know, and I wanted to highlight in this podcast and, and, and talk about those things. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I like, I think two years ago when we were, I, I remember Brian was talking about, you know, I would love to meet Justin Khan one day. And it was just like, I think I saw your billboard or something. I was driving around the Bay and I saw like Justin, <laughs> Justin Khan billboard. I'm like, I want to meet this guy one day. I'm like, I don't know how, but I want to meet this guy one day. <laughs> yeah. And even when we started Asian Hustle Network, we started meeting people who were, you know, actually connected to you. And we're just like, wow, I can't believe we know people who know Justin. And but you know, <laughs> I'm too shy to ask him to introduce me to Justin. So I'm going to DM Justin randomly myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's bold. You did it, you know? So here we are, we're meeting and I'm glad to connect with you. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, you started so many companies and I'm sure it got easier over time. Did you ever feel fear and anxiety when you were first starting out? And if so, like, how did you overcome that feeling? Yeah. So um, it didn't get easier over time, actually, because I mean, you can just look at the last company I started, which failed. Right. Uh, so, you know, clearly my hit rate has been okay, but, and I mean, it's been good enough, but it, it's, uh, you know, with startups, I mean, I think there's a lot of things you can do to probably de-risk them and maybe I should be doing more of those things, but I wouldn't say it's gotten easier for me. Um, the thing I will say is that I've felt anxiety and fear constantly, you know, even post being successful because then the stakes are higher, the reputation's higher, you know, now I really need to make it work because this is the one, you know, I'm running out of time, whatever it is, there's like always things to make you anxious. You know, I had a lot of imposter syndrome in the beginning, and I think that's very common among many of my friends, including ones who are very, very successful, you know, Decacorn founders. And, you know, that's just part of being human is um, we only are aware of our 
own internal experience. We aren't aware of other people's experience. So it's very easy for us to project on other people and say, oh, that guy knows everything. He knows what's up. He's like so good at uh, all these things. He's like, he's great. He probably, he's probably so confident. And for us to be like, why am I, I'm like a loser. I don't know anything about this. I'm new. I don't have an experience. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to fail. You know, and, and, and to, because you don't have the whole story of, of what other people, what's going on with other people. And, you know, that's especially exacerbated with the day with social media, where everyone's just posting all their highlights and like all this great shit that's happening. And you don't see the, the full story, right? You only see your own full story. So, you know, I encourage people to, to really, it's hard, it's easy to say, and it's hard to internalize, you know, it's easy to know that conceptually, but not to, to feel it, but everybody goes through that experience of, of being, um, you're not being confident in what they're doing. They're, they're new to it and they're just figuring it out. And I have friends, you know, I've had a conversation with, even like this week, had a conversation with a friend who I look up to. And I'm like, this person has so many qualities that I wish and I admire. He connects so well with people. He's so eloquent. You know, he's, he's somebody who's a, such a great speaker. He's someone who's so comfortable around other people in a way that I've never felt that, felt that way. And he was saying, we were having this conversation, you know, vulnerable conversation. And he was saying to me like, Oh man, sometimes I'm intimidated around you because you're so successful, you know? And so that's just, it's funny because it's like the, the, it's funny because it's, it's, it's like, you don't know what's going on with other people. You know, you can easily think they are so confident and so successful, you know, they're such on a perfect path, but they, everybody has their own anxieties and insecurities that they live all the time. And even once they figure out how to deal with those anxieties and insecurities, like I think I figured out how to like accept them a lot through meditation, through gratitude, through um, therapy, et cetera. I've, I've, I have a bunch of tools in my toolkit to be with the person I am. Like, and, you know, if I'm anxious, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm anxious. That's okay. I don't need things to be different, but that doesn't change who I am. Right. I still have those anxieties. And if you talk to, you know, Buddhist monks, right. Who are like, have meditated for 30 or 40 years. They, they say that they're still, you know, they still have the human experience of all of this range of emotions, which includes anxiety or sadness or regrets or fears. Um, but they're just much more present and okay with whatever their experience is, and they don't need it to change. That's really insightful. I love that. And so what was the inspiration behind building atrium? Well, I mean, the inspiration was I wanted to make a lot of money and more money and be, have a bigger company than Twitch, which is not a very healthy inspiration, right? Like that's a very mercenary like goal. And so when I started the company, I was like, oh, this is a great business idea. You know, the idea I thought was like a very good idea for something that could create a big company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say one of the places that it fell down was that I, I was not primarily motivated for some higher purpose, you know? And so, um, that led to like a, you know, a lot of cascading negative consequences in the company, but, uh, you know, it's a learning experience and, and I don't have any regrets about it. Yeah. I'm really glad you see it that way too, yeah. because I noticed a lot of the personal improvement posts came from the years of atrium. Yeah. So I was kind of wondering what was going on with you. Um, not in, not in a bad way, but I was kind of curious, like, is Justin feeling okay? Cause I'm very conscious of people's mental health. Yeah, not just that I, I spent a lot of my time studying people that I was aspired to be like you yourself or, you know, other people. Yeah. So I, I was trying to visualize myself in your position. Like, what are you currently feeling right now? Because I feel behind every action is also a reason why. Well, it's yeah. very empathetic of you, Brian. And I, I, <laughs> I admire that. I think that 
you know, for me, it was, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? Like it was raised a ton of money. We're building this company. There were some things that were working. It's very stressful. And in order to deal with that stress, which I was kind of initially confused about, you know, why am I so stressed? Like objectively, if this company fails, I have lots of good options, which is actually what's happened, right? Like the company did fail and I've been able to, you know, I started a VC fund. I've like invested in companies. My investments have done well. Like I'm fine. You know, I'm living like an amazing, beautiful life, but I didn't, internal, I didn't feel that at the time. Right. I didn't, that, that was like a conceptual idea. It wasn't like a felt idea. And so, um, I started looking for like what, you know, I was so stressed. I was like, what can I do to solve this problem and expressing that externally, you know, most people like they're stressed in their startup and they just say, Oh, you know, we're, we're doing well, we're killing it. They're not talking about that. Um, I like to talk about it publicly cause I just, you know, I'm, that's the person I am. And it helps me learn about how to improve and how I feel about something by talking about it publicly and being honest about it. So a lot of the material from that time, whether it's like, here's how I've been working on, you know, meditating or, or feeling good or like all these different practices I'm implementing or, you know, difficulties I'm going through or thing learnings I'm having about like how to be a better leader, you know, and the truth of like how I maybe wasn't a good leader in certain ways before, you know, I'm very honest about that because that's just the way I learn, you know? And so what you saw from the outside is probably exactly what you think, you know, what, and what you would guess is, is exactly what was going on, which is like, it was very stressful. And I was finding ways to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw your, your tweets recently too, about your 10 takeaways from each room. And the thing that, that really, that really made me smile was when you're like, don't start a service company <laughs> because we get a lot of recommendations for Asian hustle network to become a service company. But I was so adamant on not doing that. I'm like, no, it's going to give us so much work and stress. <laughs> yeah. When I saw that you tweeted that, it just validated a lot of our ideas too. Cause we base a lot of our decision makings on people like yourself that came before us, you know, like we're just constantly learning and learning to see what we can do better, what we can do right. And um, just keep learning from people like yourself, you know, cause it, it, cause the thing with, with the tech community is it's not too many Asian leaders out there. That, that we can look to. And you're one of the Asian leaders um, that we look to and really appreciate you being so transparent and authentic with that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Amazing. And so it, when you were starting out Twitch, did you ever expect it to grow as big as it did? Because, you know, now we have like big corporations live streaming and, you know, many, many people are actually making a living off of Twitch. Yeah, because we talked to other other startup founders and it seems the common theme is, I didn't know it was going to be this big. I always yeah. hope it was going to be mm-hmm. this big. It just happened to be this big. Yeah. And many, many founders, when they're first starting out, they often don't know what the potential is and they don't know how it's going to turn out. So mm-hmm. we'd love to see from your perspective, you know, what was your vision for and did you ever expect it to grow this big? Yeah, there's, you know, there's no way that we expected it to grow this big. We said in the beginning, we actually wrote down what we expected because that was our goal. You know, we said we tried these two projects for six months, right? And so we said in two years, if this is successful, in the best case, it's going to be bigger than GameTrailers.com, which at the time was like 10 million monthly active users. And so that was our goal. And so we said, okay, to get to that, we're going to say we need 15% monthly growth for the first year and 10% monthly growth for the second year. And so that was our goal is 15% monthly growth for the first six months. And we actually blew that out of the water. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, today Twitch is, 
I don't even know if they release numbers anymore, but you know, the, I think the last release was like a hundred million MAU. I think it's much more than that now. Um, but you know, that, that's that. So, so, you know, we touched it's, it's in you know, orders of magnitude bigger than it, than we ever guessed it possible, which was like ever guessed like the best success case would be, you know? Right. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I guess my next question is, I heard in your recent podcast is that you were talking about the importance of having a community, mm-hmm. you know, and you're talking about the most ironic thing about like lowering your audience to a target niche is the community that supports your products. So I just want to hear your opinions on like how important it is building your tribe, building your community, building that group of people that believe in you no matter what. I mean, I think that's everything, you know, for, for me, the whole purpose of making money and being successful was to try to be more connected with the, with people. And, you know, that was, it's kind of funny because I think a lot of people have this motivation internally, but they don't think about it and really think, think about it hard because, you know, being rich and successful is not conducive really to the type of interactions where you are really building like a true community. You know, oftentimes people want something from you. They want to like, oh, can you help me with this thing? Which is fine. I'm actually not denigrating that at all. I think it's totally fine to like reach out to people who are successful and, and try to get help with your project um, or whatever. But I'm saying it's it doesn't really move you towards closeness and vulnerability and true connection with other people. And so, um, you know, I, I do think it's it's really like the more you can invest in in building relationships with the people around you, like that's that's really wealth. You know, and, and that's um, what makes us feel good as human beings and feel connected and close. And that's, um, you know, there's like lots of other social benefits and economic benefits to uh, to being connected with people. But I think primarily the, the biggest benefit is is really that human beings are social animals and we like it. Yeah. You know? I love that, which is what Asian Hustle Network is all about as well, because we really want to build our community. And mm-hmm. we f- often feel that Asians, they often have to be, feel like they're silenced, right? Or they're quiet. They stay quiet, quiet about their entrepreneurial journey. And for us to kind of create Asian Hustle Network and have people share the entrepreneurial stories and have people relate to other people is what we're trying to achieve in the community as well. Yeah, I guess yeah. for us, like, entrepreneur, like Asian Hustle Network came from a, a place of like feeling lonely, mm-hmm. you know, like I mentioned earlier. And feeling like a lot of people out there feel like they're alone, but also noticing a problem in our society. It's like, we don't see that many Asian leaders out there. And when we talk to them, they oftentimes are not promoted to these CEO positions. They create their own damn company. <laughs> you know? So there's a huge bamboo ceiling that we're trying to solve. And, you know, listen to your story too, because, you know, when we look at you, Justin, the first impression we have is strong, powerful, mm-hmm. successful. We want to be like Justin, you know? But the thing is that a lot of a lot of people, including myself, a couple of years ago, don't realize that you are human yourself. Like there's no. not, and that's the thing that we're trying to capture in our podcast is Justin's a human being, just like all of us. He goes through the same emotions, he has the same struggles, you know. And just to make that part relatable to all our journey, because mm-hmm. sometimes we just don't know where we're going or what we're doing in life. And that's yeah. Okay. That's perfectly okay. Like everyone has their own journey, but the most important things is the self-belief you have in yourself. Like you believe that you can do it. You know, you block out all the naysayers, you know, everyone has their own different stress. Everyone has their own different problems, but they still find a way to work through it and get to wherever they want to be. And you can do it too. That's the point of our podcast, the point of Asian Hustle Network, you know, 
And that's, that's why we love having you in the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely agree. I want to echo everything that Brian said. And I love that you're just being authentic on this podcast as well. Really appreciate you just being true to who you are, talking about, you know, all the life struggles that you had. And just wanted to reiterate to our listeners, like, you know, Justin is like, like all of us, you know, and he believed in himself. And, you know, as long as you believe in yourself, you know, you can do it too. Yeah, and I think I want to highlight as well. It's like, even though you might not know it, but you can inspire a lot of people that don't, that you don't personally know yet. You know, yeah. Justin inspired us, you know, a couple years ago, I was extremely unhappy with my engineering job and I was looking at billboard. It says Justin Khan. I'm like, one day I'm going to start a company so I can meet this guy. <laughs> you know? There we Not go. Inspiration, <laughs> you know, and you just don't know. Yeah. I appreciate that. And you know, that, those are some of the messages that I love to get the most is when uh, people, ping me on, on Twitter or Instagram or, 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 you know, email me or whatever. And they, they say like, you know, this one interaction that we had five, 10 years ago led me down this path of like, you know, I started this company or I, I quit my job and did something, you know, and those are the things that like, that's the reason why I like to do this stuff and like be out there with this. Um, and then the, the other thing I'll say is, you know, I, I love that message of, you know, every person, every successful person you might look up to and say, Oh, they have a perfect life or they must've been super confident in the beginning. They go through a journey to get there. And that's really why I want to create my own podcast. The quest is to tell those stories, you know, similar to, to what you're doing. And it's so funny to see how, how many of friends of mine, people I know who are famous, successful CEOs of companies, famous musicians, star athletes, you know, they have their own struggle and they have, um, you know, they, they, nobody starts off as like the most confident, perfect executor in the world. You know, for myself, I went through this, you know, people look at me today and they say, Oh, that guy's very confident. He's rich. He's successful. He's, you know, he's got, he's got it. He's like, he, people say, Oh, you must be like naturally confident or naturally extroverted. You're very extroverted, you know, but actually, or you're like great public speaker. People always, you know, often tell me I'm a a great public speaker. And the, the funny thing is like, I didn't start off that way. I was a very shy kid. I was very, I hadn't was not confident at all when I was younger. And all of these things were kind of learned behaviors by putting myself at the edge of my comfort zone. So even though I wasn't, I hated public speaking. I remember the first, you know, in, in the eighth grade or maybe sixth grade, I had to do a presentation in front of, for the summer camp. I was a part of, it was like, you had to read this report or like present this report. And I did the whole thing with this papers in front of my face. So I wouldn't have to see my, the students, you know, the other kids in the class. I like literally put, I was like reading it with the paper in front of my face. And, you know, today I can go and, and give a talk and like be out there or whatever. And that, that is, has come, it wasn't like overnight. Right. And the way it had happened was I was constantly willing to put myself on the edge of my comfort zone and say, Oh, okay, well, I know I'm not a good public speaker and it, it terrifies me but I'm going to sign up for Toastmasters. I remember doing that when I graduated from college, you know, and I, I like, a, it's like a professional speaking club. And then I'm going to sign up for like speaking engagements, even though I'm going to hate myself for doing it, you know, the day of, and I'm going to feel horrible uh, and scared. I'm going to just sign up. Cause I know that like, I want to be the type of person who is able to like speak in front of people, you know, and even though I was shy I wanted to connect with people. So I put myself in the position to talk to people and, and to connect with people and to like learn that, like all of these are skills, right? Nobody's born with 
you know, the, and amazing, amazing skills is like a, a beautiful public speaker. They, these are things that people practice and get their 10,000 hours. And so you might look at somebody like me, who's you know got the advantage of having almost 20 years of professional experience now and say, Oh, that guy's got it. You know, he's got it. He must've had it like back then, but that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. I love that you bring that up. I, you know, the whole self-development thing, I love how you explain it because I definitely think that, you know, there is always room for self-development. And like you mentioned before, you didn't believe in it. And some people do believe like, oh, you can be born with this trait or not. Like you can be born with an entrepreneur spirit or you're not. You can be born to be disciplined or you're not. And I definitely do not agree with that because I definitely agree that like, if you think that you need to get to one place in your life, if there's like a gap between who you are today and who you want to become, there is a way to get there. It's not impossible for you to get there as long as you, you know, put in the work and you work on it every day to get to that position. Yeah. It's, it's about building frameworks for you to be able to, to do it, to like improve every, every day. And it's not saying uh, like you set a goal of like, Oh, I want to be as funny as Dave Chappelle. You, know, you want to be a comedian. You want to be as funny as Dave Chappelle. And, and, and you know, then the next day, like you're not <laughs> like that could be discouraging. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the key is to like set up a, a structure where you're like, Oh, I'm going to improve every day. I'm going to improve. I'm going to, every day I'm going to write a joke and I'm going to tell a friend a joke, you know, every day I'm going to, uh, I'm going to practice, right? Like it, whatever it is. And then eventually you will get there. You just have to start a structure infrastructure. That's going to, that's going to get you better. Right. Yeah. Love it. So Justin, we have one more question for you. And that's what one advice can you give to an aspiring entrepreneur? Uh, well, my advice that I always give, and I think it's true today, is like, you know, you just got to get started. Like if you're aspiring, like the, the barrier to starting a company is just going lower and lower and lower. It was like pretty low when I started in 2005, but now it's like extra, extra low, you know, like, so <laughs> anybody can start a company if they want to. Uh, I don't necessarily think it is for everybody because it's very stressful and there's, you know, I think, that you should be doing it for the right reasons. Um, but if you want to get, get started, the key is to just start, start building something and start testing your idea with among people who are, you know, potential customers or employees or uh, investors. And, you know, the, the first step is the hardest. Yeah, I agree. Very sound advice. Um, and where can our listeners find out more about you online and how can they learn more about your podcasts? Okay. So, um, yeah, I've started, you know, after taking a hiatus from like producing online content for a while, I, I realized I just, I love doing it. So uh, check out my podcast, The Quest on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere else you get podcasts. Um, I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash Justin Khan. I'm on Instagram at Justin Khan and TikTok now at Justin Khan. Uh, so find me all, all there and I'm going to launch my YouTube channel at some point soon in the next couple of weeks or whatever. So uh um, check them out. Yeah. Good. We'll add all those links into your show notes. Awesome. Cool. Awesome hearing your story today. We are so honored to have you on the show, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.